Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, host Lauren Carnot puts on her political cap and digs into the language and circumstances surrounding Senate Bill 497, which caused a bit of an uproar amongst the angling and public access crowd here in Montana. Chloe, this bucket is all you, girl, I insist. I leave my friend and local musician Chloe Gendro to her own devices and slip downriver to take my position, camera in hand, at the river equivalent of a courtside seat. The October evening yet remains in the river's icy chill, contrasted by the unseasonal ambient air temperature means that grasshoppers are still on the menu and the cutties can't afford to pass on too many calorie-packed meals. An intermediate color quilt of fall hardwoods frames Chloe as she works on an appropriate length of fly line and drops a fat Albert onto the edge of an undercut bank. I bear bird's eye witness to the slow, methodical rise of a banger cutthroat who seems to know better, but can't help itself. My friend's timely reaction pins the hook into the cutty's maw and the rodeo commences. We work together, hooting, hollering, and laughing until we can get our mitts around the trout. I have uncommonly large hands, and I can barely stretch my fingers around the radius of the West Slope cutthroat, a native species that has been propagating and picking off hoppers in this river since time immemorial. It's a beautiful beast, and we release it back to its natal stream, then rejoice in our success. Upstream, my truck is parked at a bridge along a major highway that cuts through private ranch lands. Under Montana law, we were totally within our rights to stay below the high water mark and access a river that nobody and everybody owns. 
Fast forward to February 28th. Justin and I are burning the midnight oil, finalizing a podcast. His phone starts dinging, and I'm annoyed that he's sidetracked at crunch time. Then he explains that some last-second piece of legislation has been introduced to the Montana Senate threatening the stream access law. Evidently, the bill goes to vote in the morning. Over the next few hours, a campaign unfolds. The local fishing community springs into action via phone calls and emails to legislators. Social media erupts with dissent to Senate Bill 497. Fortunately, we still have a say and enough leaders in Helena that value the best interests of the people of Montana. The bill is soundly defeated by a vote of 43 to 14. It's an ass-kicking of epic proportions. The rejection sends a clear message to Steve Fitzpatrick, the state senator from District 10 who introduced the bill that the stream access law stands as a monolith that Montanas will defend. It was a sneak attack, but I'm left wondering how. At seemingly 10 seconds to midnight, a bill could be introduced that threatens the cornerstone of our livelihood and ethos. I'm not a very political person, and we don't usually dive into the soup on this podcast, but clearly, I needed to better educate myself on the fragility of the stream access law and what was actually at stake with Bill SB 497. In Montana, the stream access law may seem like a right, but it's anything but. The crown jewel of river access law is the envy of other states like Colorado, Utah, and Wyoming, and is in place because public anglers took action. Here's Lantani, president of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, or BHA, a national organization of public lands, waters, and wildlife advocates. So back in 1977, on the Dearborn, there was some, uh, some anglers that were being harassed by a landowner. And so ultimately, those anglers sued uh, that landowner um, because he was harassing them. And he was harassing them because he didn't think that they had rights to be on the water. And went all the way to the Montana Supreme Court, uh, the Public Land Water Access Association. It's been called many different things. That's what they're called today, but um, was kind of a part of that suit. Ultimately, went all the way to the Supreme Court. And lo and behold, we won, uh, said that the public did have the right uh, to access our waters. Uh, then in 1985, there was some legislation that was passed just to solidify that piece and really up to the high water mark. So, you know, water not only in the river, not only the, I guess, the bottom of the river not, and then up to the high water mark. And so, you know, where that water goes every single year. And um, and so that was codified in the law in 1985. And, you know, since then, we've had one of the best stream access laws, I would say, in the entire country. As Tawny explains... This isn't the first time that stream access law has been in the crosshairs. In, in 2007 in particular, a uh, guy by the name of Jim Kennedy, who was a you know, multi-billionaire, uh, lived down on the Ruby, and there was folks that were fishing down there. He tried, uh, he put up you know, razor wire and, um, and tried to keep the public out, ended up suing, um, and that, that went all the way to the Supreme Court too. He lost. Um, and then, you know, there was an attempt, I would say, um, and again, PLWAA deserves a lot of credit there. Um, but then also folks like Tony Shonen Sr., a uh, good guy from Butte who uh, came up there and they cut down that razor wire and actually um, got on the stream. And that's what the lawsuit was about. Um, and then in 2009, you know, I think there was this attempt in some ways uh, to go after stream access. But we ended up, you know, coming up with a solution. And that is where... 
You know, it was illegal to put fences to bridge abutments like it was being done by Mr. Kennedy. But it was also, you know, an access point uh, for uh, anglers and, and whoever wanted to float at these county roads. And so the, a compromise was reached. And so it's now the landowners have the ability to put their fences to bridge abutments. But if they do that, they have to provide access uh, for the public. And so really uh, a great win-win, I would say, both for private landowners and for the public um, that kept our stream access intact and kept that bridge access intact. But no, Mr. Kennedy, back in 2007 in particular, uh, tried to take a run at uh, this again um, through the court system. SB 497 of the 68th legislature reads, quote, An act revising laws relating to prescriptive easements, providing limitations on claims for prescriptive easements, providing that the Attorney General doctrine may not be applied to a cause of action relating to a prescriptive easement, end quote. So how did SB 497 threaten the stream access law? For an interpretation, we reached out to David Brooks, Executive Director of Montana TU. The, the things that were specific to our organization and anglers is that it would have allowed private landowners or counties or other entities to post private property signs along historic prescriptive easements, um, saying that they were private property. And then after five years, those roads or throughways through private property to public land or to public water would have been closed to public use, cutting off historic access to public land or water. So there was a direct infringement on the ability of people to actually get to waters to use them as per the Montana Stream Access Law. And then the other part that was in the bill that was a real concern is it would have made it more expensive, in some cases prohibitively expensive, to contest closures of access to a stream or to a river or to land that are enshrined in that Montana Stream Access Law. For example, if you know you had some very wealthy large landowner who closed an easement with a gate or barbed wire across it and a group like PLWA, uh, Public Land and Water Association, or Montana TU for that matter, or BHA or anybody else would have challenged that closure in court. Um, the landowner could fight those challenges up through the courts. It could take months or years. And if and when the challenger, you know, again, PLWA, Montana TU, BHA, whoever, one, the organizations would not be able to recoup legal fees, even though the private party had cut off the public's right illegally and that had improved in court and the private landowner had lost. Um, and so those kind of court costs could certainly negatively impact, if not potentially bankrupt a challenger to defend Montana stream access law, even if they won. And that's not just a hypothetical. I mean, over the course of Montana Stream Access Law, uh, we as an organization, certainly PLWA and others, have numerous times had to take these kind of illegal closures to court. And um, under current law, you're able to recoup some of your legal costs in doing that uh, from the from the defendant if they are found wrong and having illegally cut off the, the public. So, what is a prescriptive easement? 
yeah, I mean, it's just the right of the public to cross private land due to historic use of that crossing or road or easement. And it's usually defined by historic use over at least a five-year period. People have been using some road through private property to get to a stream or to public lands beyond that private land, like to the National Forest or a BLM section or a state section that is otherwise uh, sort of locked from the public because of surrounding private land. And these are important because there are literally thousands of prescriptive easements um, around Montana that provide the only or the only real viable access the public has to public land. And that's especially true of rivers. I mean, the U.S. Forest Service land, BLM land, state land doesn't always touch the shoreline of rivers and very many river miles for lots of our systems. You know, river bottoms tend to be private land. So um, to some degree, we, we depend on easements across private land. So come to find out that the access like the ones that I use to take my friend Chloe fishing is the exact type of easement named in SB 497. To those who pay attention, it should come to no surprise that the specific language regarding easements appeared in SB 497 during the 68th legislature. Jason Brinnenstuhl is a fly fishing guide and a former board member of the Fishing Outfitters Association of Montana. He holds a degree in environmental studies from the University of Montana and keeps his ear to the ground. You know, man, when you really look at the language, you know, it seems kind of innocuous, man. Like, it's not a big deal when you talk about prescriptive easements, you know, on paper, you'd look at that and be like, okay, well, you know, they're just going to limit certain things or, you know, it, 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 they word it as this idea of giving, you know, a little more leeway and kind of broadening the voice of the private landowner, specifically when you look at the language of the bill, same as the last one where it's, the one thing they really are targeting are those kind of gray area accesses throughout the state uh, that's within the language of the law. And the big one they love to try to go after is like bridge easements, for example. You know, whether you walk in at a bridge that's basically unfenced or if you walk in or if you drop your boat next to one, for example, you know, like Victor Bridge on the Bitterroot is an example, places like that. How and when SB 497 was introduced by Senator Fitzpatrick is another highly suspicious element of this case and sure seemed like an attempt to catch watchdogs like BHA sleeping. You know, it's, it's part of the way our system works. And I think that, you know, while it was super sneaky, there was nothing kind of uh, illegal about it. But, you know, they did not put that bill forward again because they did not want to have the conversation earlier on in the legislative session. I think that they knew that it was going to be controversial. And so they waited to the last minute. And, you know, that provides that the reason that is, you know, happens or there's that opportunity is that there's things that the legislature, you know, um, has forgotten to address that can be addressed uh, during this week of transmittal before um, it needs to be passed and then moved over to the other chamber. So, you know, the, the, I guess the, um, the structure of how that works, you know, is, is something that, you know, I think has been in place for a long time, but how it is used, especially to try to put sneaky things through, uh, is uh, pretty unfortunate. The timing of SB 497 seemed strategic. You know, going into the, the transmittal break. So transmittal is essentially just the halftime for the legislature. We're at about the halfway period of the 90-day session. 
And it's significant because it's the cutoff point for bills being passed by at least one house. By halftime, by transmittal, bills have to be transmitted or passed from one house to the other, from the House to the Senate or from the Senate to the House. Otherwise, they're effectively dead. It's not just the abundance and variety of wild trout streams that attracts visitors to Montana. It's the access to those incredible waters. Without access, including prescriptive easements that are in place throughout the state, Montana stand not only to lose recreational opportunity, but massive amounts of revenue. A 2017 study by the University of Montana concluded that non-resident visitors dump more than $750 million a year into the state coffer on fishing. You look at the ripple effect of airports, um, flights coming in and out, the money that's going in. I mean, we have a brand new international airport that's been rebuilt in, in Missoula, whether we like it or not, that we could argue was basically funded through tourism dollars, man, as well as taxes. But when you look at the amount of people that come into the state to fish annually and those clients that we know that have been fishing, for example, around the Missoula Valley for over a decade. I mean, I had clients write me from out of state to say, hey, what can I do to help in this process? Because what they have when they come there, they cherish, man. And there's a reason they keep coming back. And where they live, these access laws have already been stripped away long ago. With that level of impact on the economy, it's hard to see how reeling in the stream access law would benefit the people of Montana. Now, more than ever, anglers and public land users, nearly all of us that don't own vast stretches of property and riverfront, need to have their voices heard and pay close attention to the actions of our elected leaders. Stay vigilant. And that's what people need to do. And so belonging to organizations like Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, like Trout Unlimited, Montana Trout Unlimited, like Montana Wildlife Federation, so that, you know, we can, you don't have to watch the legislature all the time. We can help you do that. And then once that happens, that it's just so important that not only do you make phone calls and send emails, but that you tell your friends, your families, your acquaintances, anybody you know about this, because ultimately the people still matter in the state of Montana and our voices count but only if we use them. And there are more bills in the queue that we need to be paying attention to, as David Brooks explains. You know, we, we track a lot of bills and we maintain a bill tracker website so people can see what we're monitoring, what we're opposing, what we're supporting. But two really stand out to me. Um, one is water quantity related and the other is water quality related. And I think the, um, the one that's of most concern, in fact, this might be the worst bill of the session for trout. Now, obviously, the stream access bill was a big deal for the public and anglers, um, but this one is probably the worst when it comes to actual trout and our defense of, of fish and streams. Um, it's House Bill 642, and it's being sponsored by Representative Casey Knudsen from Malta. It's just called the Revise Exempt Wells Law. And, you know, like that stream access bill, if you read it, it's pretty wonky. Um, but essentially what this does is use an exception to Montana water law um, and blows a huge lo loophole in it. In closing, I urge all of you to pay close attention to your elected officials. Don't listen to what they say. Listen to what they do. Strongly encourage people. It takes, you know, it takes minutes 
to make a phone call or an email to a representative, whether that's in your district for the sponsor of the bill, for example, in this case, it was Steve Fitz, Fitzpatrick out of Great Falls, and, and contact them directly. Um, and, you know, whether you think your voice is being heard or not, I would argue, man, even if your voice isn't being heard, if you're not able to leave a message, you know, there are a lot of voicemails that were clogged up, or if you think an email is just going to go into the, the trash bin, that's fine. But at the end of the day, when forces are joined and the volume of calls and emails plays a plays a role man and when all the voices came together let's just say it made some noise real shout out to montanans who stood up on the stream access bill I and mean, it was impressive and overwhelming uh, the number of people answered the call to, to defend against this bill uh, you know you recognize that it was pretty wonky and seemed benign, but people got it. And senators were saying their voicemails were filling up. They were asking us to, quote, turn off the fire hose of public comment if, if they promised to kill this bill on the floor. And, you know, we responded that turn off the fire hose when it's dead, and the bill was killed roundly. Um, great, refreshing show, bipartisan support. Senators on both sides of the aisle made impassioned speeches about stream access, essentially being, you know, part of the DNA of Montana at this point. And so it was just a really gratifying win, largely because of uh, the public standing up for this thing they love. If you want to stay more informed, check out our links in our podcast episode description. Thanks for tuning in. Please like, share, subscribe, rate, review and help us keep the ball rolling. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash the February room, and we'll see you down here next week.